So it's open season for promises in the United Kingdom as politicians eager for power offer the electorate the sun, the moon and the stars. We pledge this, we promise that, we guarantee the next thing. And a nation that has had a gut full of empty assurances that are abandoned within weeks of power being gained that weary populace arches its eyebrows in disbelief and mutters a cynical, aye, that'll be right. Oh, that wasn't a manifesto pledge as such. It was an aspiration. I know we promised this and offered that and vowed to see this social wrong ended and to right that economic injustice. But you know how it is. Once you get in, it all looks so much more complicated. And to be honest, you didn't really expect us to keep our pre-election promises once the door of number 10 had shut behind us, did you? And let the record show, that pretty much seems to be the way of things, the real politique, everywhere. Meanwhile, back in my childhood, it looked like a honeycomb which was kind of fitting since the word of God is described as being sweeter than honey, honey dripping from the comb. There were little curls of parchment crammed into a box about the size of a box of chocolates and they came provided with a small pair of tweezers which you used to extract a piece of parchment on which was written one of the promises of God. I don't know if you can still get them in religious bookshops, but they were called promise boxes back in the day. And the plan was that you would extract one each morning, read it and reflect upon it, and savour the richness of the promises of God. The promises of God which the Bible describes as being like silver refined seven times in the fire. That genuine. That certain. Of course promises are easy to give. I'll get it. I'll be there. It'll be delivered on Monday. I will be faithful. I will live the Christian life. Yes, I promise to bring up my children in the Christian family. But there is, as we know, a difference between a well-intentioned, well-meaning, fingers-crossed hope in the vague possibility that and a promise a promise that has substance and integrity and therefore worth we know that the world abounds in fake counterfeit hollow so-called promises so very different from the real thing that has been forged in the fire of truth and will bear examination when we're trying to estimate the worth of the promise given, we're well advised to look at two elements. One, the character of the one who promises, and two, the record of their promising. Have their promises been kept over the years? Have they a good track record for delivering on what they say they will do? Or is their story littered with the fragments and hurts of countless broken promises? The alcoholic with his assurances that he'll leave the booze, booze alone. The divorced father who says he'll be there for Jimmy's birthday this year, unlike last year and the year before. 
empty words, well-meaning but cruel in their fundamental untruth. It may seem to some presumptuous of us to seem for a moment to question the validity of the promises of God. But with so many bogus guarantors around, we tend to be suspicious. We've learned cynicism at the hands of the politicians. We've developed a hard skin of incredulity. We're not easily fooled by fine words and empty rhetoric. And never more so than in the field of religion, where the con man and the rip-off merchant are part of the scenery and have always been. So the tendency is to suspicion and caution. There have been too many dashed hopes, false messiahs, men and women exploiting the inner longing and raising false expectations. Sellers of religion offering that very moon and those very stars for the price of a few dollars, a few pounds. Charlatans and purveyors of empty dreams abound. We are wise to be wary. So why trust the promises of God? The easy answer to that is, by definition, if you can't trust God, who can you trust? When we get to God, we reach the boundaries of trust, the ultimate in trustability. If, if that trust is gone, we have entered the bowels of hell and there is nothing left to believe in. Nothing left to believe in. We get a little taste of the bitterness of betrayals of trust when we read of a supposed servant of God, a a minister or a bishop or a nun, failing to live up to our expectations, blotting their copybook. Something very basic in us is wounded by that. We feel we have a right to expect a degree of integrity in those who would claim to serve God. They should be people who keep their word, uphold their promises, who deal in truth. Whatever it costs, however inconvenient that might be. It's therefore infinitely more the case that God could no more give an empty promise than cease to be God. Jesus says with amazement in his voice, If it's highly unlikely that a father would give his son a scorpion when he asks for fish, or a stone when he asks for bread, I ask you then, is it likely that God the Father would show less than total commitment of love and care for his children? He made us in love, out of selfless, generous love. How then can we imagine that he would offer us counterfeit promises that have no worth or currency? He gave us life because he loved us. He sustains us in patient love. He searches us out at great cost to forgive and save. This is who he is. This is what he does. His promises come with some considerable pedigree. Indeed, St Paul shakes his head in astonishment that anyone could doubt for one second the unwavering commitment of God to us, his children. Paul says, he who gave his own son to us, He who gave his own son to us, will he not with him give us all things? Throughout the Bible, the promises of God come with powerful symbolic guarantees. With the rainbow, God promises to protect the earth. 
with the rituals and sacrifices of the Old Testament, God marks the seriousness of his intent and his commitment to holiness and how much it matters to him, how we live our life. Listen, this is not a game. With the promise to be the God of Israel, he gives the law of Moses to reveal his will and purpose for his people. And with that new covenant that happens in the heart and brings with it the promise of inner healing and salvation, he gives a cross and an empty tomb. He gives us bread and wine. He gives the very spirit of Christ to his children. These milestones mark out the promises of God, underpin his word, so that we can sing with confidence that we are standing on the promises of God. On a secure foundation of truth and character, a foundation built on love. Promises that remind us in our bleaker moments, our lost moments, that he loved us from the first of time. He loves us to the last. Promises that assure us that when we lose direction, that there is nothing that can separate us from his love. Assurances that he saves and forgives and that we need not be afraid of life or of death. The confident hope based on the promises of God that when it comes to that hard task of living the Christian life, we are not alone, but that he is with us always to give us the courage we need, the help we need, the forgiveness we shall most certainly need. And along with all these promises that are about here and now, the assurance that the eternal God, whose love for us is eternal, and who made us to share eternity with him, he holds that unknown future safe in his hand. And there awaits us such glory and beauty that there are no words to describe it. His promise is freely given and underwritten by his love. There is strength in these resounding truths. They enable us to sing, Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. You will never sink beneath the waves. When you dwell in the exile of the stranger, remember you are precious in my eyes. We sing with confident hope, based upon and built upon the bedrock of the promises of God, that when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And we find strength in those promises of God. We're we're like the weary soldiers at the end of their rope, exhausted. Just for a bleak moment, they're unsure how the war is going, deflated and low in spirit. Then the commanding officer comes by talks with them, listens to them, inspires them. And his presence brings new strength of resolve. His assurances steal the soul. And the shoulders are set and spirits raised, hope rekindled because they trust in him. Time and again he has proven his commitment to them and they trust in his promise of victory and peace. When we lose sight of the goal, And when the faith seems tired and stale, when we feel engulfed by grief or savaged by disappointment, there they sit, curled up in their promise box, 
all too often trapped and helpless in a closed Bible, yet ready to put steel in us if only we let them, there to reawaken our slumbering faith, the promises of God, trustworthy, like silver, refined seven times in the fire. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.